We have got to learn, church, that if we have good news to share, we've got to be courageous enough to share it. I'm very frustrated with the way the society is right now. We're so worried about, you know, well, I don't want to, I don't want to impose. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. If you're keeping good news back, you are depriving someone that needs to know that if God did it for you, he'll do it for them. Someone needs to know that if God did it for you, he will do it for them. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome back to another totally fresh week of the Autumn Miles Show. We are back. We're here. We're ready for you. We have prayed over you. I have toiled over this word after the break. It's going to be a good one. I cannot wait to come back after the break and just break down, continue breaking down this passage of scripture in 2 Kings. Man, it has schooled your girl over here. I feel like every time I read it, I get another point that I have to add in. I'm going to try to streamline it down today for you guys, but... I love this passage of scripture and it's going to be great. Welcome to the show. It's going to be a great show today. We have so many things going on this year that I am so excited about. What is happening in my life? Well, guess what, guys? Your girl started for real started. Turn in her first assignment started her master's degree. I don't know that I have ever been, I never, I got C's in school. So I have never, ever been excited about school ever. (laughs) I go and I'll teach college kids how to, you know, be a radio host or, you know, whatever it is. But um, as far as going back to school, the thought like gives me like PTSD from when I was in school. And then somewhere along the way, God put this massive desire in my heart to get my master's degree. And so I started it, guys. I am going through hermeneutics right now, which if you know anything is about the interpretation of scripture, which I'm all about that life. Y'all know that. I'm doing New Testament, which I took in Bible college. I took New Testament Bible college. So I'm only taking two classes because I'm scared. (laughs) What if I fail? I won't fail. You won't fail. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But it was good. And I have to tell you, I couldn't get into my my little, I guess it's blackboard that they use. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's a new thing. I don't I don't know anything about it. Uh, I couldn't get into it. And I was freaking out because I knew I had an assignment due. And it was hilarious. The conversation in our home has shifted dramatically because I'm constantly talking to the kids about school. And all of a sudden, they're saying, hey, mom, did you get into that app so that you can uh, do your assignment for school? 
And I have to say, I did get into the app and I did do my assignment and I have done everything exactly the way my professor wants it done. And so I'm feeling really good. I feel like I finally in the school realm can lead by example with my kids because a long time I said, you know what? I didn't do good in school. Don't do what I did. Do what I tell you to do because I don't don't do what I did because I could have done a lot better. My husband, on the other hand, is like National Honor Society for everything. He was on the German National Honor Society because he was he's got a lot of German in him. He's like straight A's. Like you do this trigonometry mixed with geometry, mixed with algebra, mixed with all this stuff. And he could do it in his head. And it's always bothered me. That he is so good at school and, and like he he knows just weird facts about like caterpillars and, and I don't know any of that stuff. And so now I feel like I'm going to learn a weird fact about, you know, I don't know, a goat <laughs> in the Old Testament. And I'm going to be able to share my wealth of knowledge. So anyway, they go. It's so funny how your kids go to like mom for something and then they go to dad for something like they go they go to him for like all their math issues and all their educational issues. And like if they're struggling in a class or something like that and they come to me for, you know, a bunch of for love <laughs> hugs, <laughs> really good food. They come to me for Bible encouragement, counseling, you know how it is. It's just so funny how your kids like split those things up. But anyway, I'm almost through my first week of school. I do have one more assignment and some reading to do. I did not realize how much reading you have to do. It's a good thing I've written three books because I'm literally like I have to read like almost 250 pages in a week. That's a lot of reading. <sighs> Maybe it's not a lot of reading to you, but to me, it's a lot of reading. So we're going to make it work over here. It's going to be great. I'm going to share with you all the knowledge I learned. It's going to be awesome. So I'm really excited about it. Pray for me in this new season of life <laughs> because it's, it's just so fun. It's really cool. 43, back to school. I love it. That is definitely what is happening in my life. I want to go ahead and get to the message today because um, I want to spend a long time reading through the scripture and talking really personally today to you guys about won't he do it? Okay, I will see you right after the break. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. The potential for God to change lives is clear. Autumn Miles has a mission to spiritually challenge the way people think. The Autumn Miles Show and Autumn Miles Ministries are 100% listener supported by those who have already been blessed by God's word. Would you like to see others experience the change that you have already experienced? Consider being a financial partner with this life-changing ministry. Simply go to autumnmiles.com and click the Donate tab. While you're there, check out all the aspects of this dynamic work. Thank you for supporting Autumn with your prayers and by being a financial partner. God bless you. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. 
Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're back. Now, we are in week three of If God Did It For Them, He Will Do It For You. And the reason we are in this series is because I am so tired of people saying he did it for them, but God doesn't work for me like that. Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. I think this is going to be the last message in our series just because I want to tie it up with this pretty little bow that God gave me. But as I was praying through this particular piece of real estate in 2 Kings, God gave me this title for today, Won't He Do It? Now, you hear this said all the time, but you only hear it said from people who God's done something for. It's a declarative statement where you say, won't he do it? And God just gave you a husband. (laughs) Won't he do it? And God just, you know, healed you from a disease. Won't he do it? And God just saved your life from a car crash on 635 in Dallas, which is very treacherous right now. And I wish the construction would stop. Won't he do it? But sometimes people look at that and say, won't he do it? Amen. But will he do it for me? This is a declarative statement that assumes it's already done even before it happens. I was pulled back into Second Kings, and if you haven't listened to part one and part two, if, if God did it for them, he'll do it for me. We've kind of taken this passage out of order, and I'm okay with that, okay? The first week, we talked about these lepers who go, um, they're starving, and they they make a declarative statement. Why should we sit here any longer? We need to go and search for the things that we need. And so they went into the Aramean's camp, who is an enemy of Israel in this particular passage in 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7. And what they found is that the Arameans had completely abandoned the camp. Okay. That was week one. And there, here God has provided this crazy miracle just for these group of uh, lepers. Okay. Last week we talked about the king living amongst Israel in a severe place of need. He's so frustrated that he goes, he sends a messenger to the great prophet Elijah and Elisha, excuse me. And he says this, why should I wait for the Lord any longer? It's then that Elisha gives him a word from the Lord in 24 hours. Everything is going to change. And that part of the story is where I would like to pick it up today. I got my first book deal. I officially signed the paperwork. I think it was in 2012. But here I am, you know, guys, I'm out. I'm doing my thing. I am, you know, (laughs) going for it with Jesus. Here we go, Lord. You give me an open door. I'm going to blaze through that thing. I'm going to knock that thing wide open. And here I am, you know, we're doing conferences. We're doing conferences all over the place. I mean, we did like six in one year, which was so stupid because it was so much work to do that. (laughs) But we were doing it, man. We were doing it. I was traveling all over the place, praying, you know, and I never saw a book ever in my 
I just never saw myself writing. I mean, I'm the girl who got C's in school and I was cool with that. Like I never saw myself as this person that would ever write a book. I knew I had a strong perspective, but it wasn't even on my radar. Wasn't even on my radar. I go and speak at Liberty University and I'm, I'm talking to the women's ministry students and one of my, my dear friends over there, she said, I want you to talk to someone who just published my book. And I'm like, okay, that sounds great. <laughs> However, dot, 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 it ain't going to happen for me. She passed my name onto this particular person out of the blue. It was one conversation. It was, uh, Autumn, you need to write a book from my dear friend. I get a phone call a couple of days later. This particular woman is going to be in Dallas. She said, I would like to sit and talk with you. And I said, okay. <laughs> like, I'm laughing because it's like hysterical at this point because I'm like, she's, she doesn't know. I was not successful in school. I do not know how to write a book. I don't even know. I don't know anything about it. I met with her. I had lunch with her. I tried not to eat too many of the chips and salsa because at those, those, those meetings, you don't want to appear to be that person eating all the chips and salsa. I saved her some chips, guys. But she started asking me, Autumn, what do you want? What's in your heart? What would you put into a book? Off the cuff, I came up with just what you know and what I know as the book appointed in one lunch. She took her card and she slid it across the table and she put it right in front of me and she said, I'm telling you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. I looked at her like... <laughs> Girl, who are you talking to? <laughs> Look around, turn around behind me. I know, and after one lunch, you're not saying this to me. This is not even on my radar. I'm the girl that got kicked out of church, people. I've been divorced. I, you, we, we don't do, no, no, no. This girl doesn't get that opportunity. I've been rejected my whole life. But a year later, Appointed was published in 2014 in July. Out of nothing other than a suggestion. People ask me all the time, how did you get to write a book? How did you get to do this? How did this, that? And I look at them and I'm like, I don't even know. It was supernatural. It was something that I didn't even see for myself. I wanted for myself. But God was willing to do it all along. I always looked at authors and said, wow, that's really cool that God's done that for them. But I'll never be that girl. My motto was C's get degrees. And lo and behold, God has not given me the opportunity to publish just one. I've published three and working on a couple more. God's power needs to be personalized. His immeasurably more needs to be worn like a badge of honor by his kids. It was wrong thinking for me to think, that's cool that they published a book, but I never will. It diminished the Godhead in me because I thought God's big enough to publish their books, but God's small enough 
too small to publish mine. This is what I want to get through to you guys today. Because I know that I know that we've got some dreamers that listen. We've got some people that are believing for big things. One of my prayer requests that we got in this week was, I've been trying to have a baby forever and ever and ever. And it's happening for them, but it's not happening for me. Let's pray for her right now. Lord, I just pray for that prayer request that we got in that I just saw, God. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would open her womb just like you opened Hannah's womb in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord God, that you would shock us with the number of children that you give her because you're the author of life. We trust you with this request. Give her a baby in Jesus' name. Amen. God wants you to live an abundant life. Let's pick this passage of scripture up in 2 Kings verse 7. Here we go. The lepers have left and they've come upon this camp. And it's like, whoa, where did this camp come from? What in the world? Nobody's here and there's all this stuff. Okay. I'm going to pick it up in 7 7, 2 Kings 7 7. Therefore, the Arameans arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp, just as it was, and fled for their lives. Now, the lepers were about to come upon it, but the entire city needed this stuff because they were eating each other. Gross. Okay. Verse eight. When these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and ate and drank and carried from there silver and gold and clothes and went and hid them and they returned and entered another tent and carried from there also and went and hid them so these lepers okay they were also living this drought this poor season and they come upon this camp nobody's there they're the only people that have found it nobody knows it exists god literally preserved this miracle for their eyes first, okay? Elisha had prophesied about it in the previous chapter. He had said, tomorrow, things are going to go back to normal. There's going to be an abundance. Basically, Autumn paraphrased what he said. But the lepers are the first people who see it. They find it. God allowed the lepers to discover it. So they go through the camp and they're like, oh, here's gold, here's silver, here's clothes. We're going to go hide it because we need that. We need this to be able to survive back home because back home, oh my goodness, it's a mess. Never, no one has anything to eat. They're eating donkey's heads. It's really nasty, okay? Go back and listen to the previous two podcasts. Verse 9, then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day. This day is a day of good news. But we are keeping silent if we wait until the morning light. Punishment will overtake us. If we wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Now, oh, 
so many things I could pull out of these lepers. They're going back and forth, and all of a sudden, these four guys who have nothing think of sharing. These four guys who have a skin disease of some sort or something on their skin, because lepers, you could have represented anything. They happen upon the biggest miracle probably that any of them have ever seen. They take some for themselves, and then they realize, oh my goodness, We got to go tell the king, this is good news. Now, I sat on this for a while because their word was, they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we're keeping silent. If we wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go tell the king's household. I got a word for you guys today. Tell the king's household. What do I mean by that? I told you that story about the book and the Lord was really reminding me of so many little things like that, that I haven't shared or don't share very often that in order to encourage you, I should share. What do you have that you can share to encourage the king's household. Now, this is where, you know, in an age of social media where it's like, you know, you kind of tell everything. We tell everything. It's a, it's a lie. I do not believe. Now, some people are oversharers and it's like, oh, my gosh, good Lord. You know, <laughs> no one to stop. But I'm of the mind because I know the psychology of, of people. I can listen. I can learn. I, I feel I feel a lot. I, I can sit with you for five minutes and pretty much, you know get you. God is just kind of giving me that gift. And I know that people will share with you to a point, but then there is a point, deep stuff, testimonies that maybe they don't want you to know because they want you to, to believe this persona about them. They don't share. I was really moved by this because I really feel like one of the reasons we have this idea that God will do it for them, but he won't do it for me is because no one's told you he will. What better way to actually understand that God will come through for your marriage than someone who almost got divorced looking at you square in the face and say, I want to tell you a story about what God did in me and my husband's life. Are you telling the king's household? Our stories are our parables that we get to share just like Jesus shared in order to encourage people that guess what? The same God is alive today that was alive 2,000 years ago. The same God that did this miracle in scripture in 2 Kings verse 7 is the same God that is reigning over you today. What message do you have to tell the king's household. What good news do you have and why are you keeping it in? This may seem simple and elementary, but my daughter got some rough news last week. My older daughter, 18 daughter, 18 year old daughter in the form of, of rejection. I'll preserve her dignity. But I sat down with her after she got this news and I looked at her and I said, do you know how many times I have been rejected? And I looked at her little tear-filled eyes and I started talking through all of the rejections that I have gotten over the years. So-and-so rejected me. 
so-and-so rejected me. This book didn't make it. This didn't make it. Nobody wanted to talk about this. That I wasn't good enough for them. I was this and that and this and that and that and that and on and on and on and on and on. And I shared with her for about 30 minutes all about my rejection. And I ended with this. But none of that stopped the power of God in my life. We have got to learn, church, that if we have good news to share, we've got to be courageous enough to share it. I'm very frustrated with the way the society is right now. We're so worried about, you know, well, I don't want to, I don't want to impose. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. If you're keeping good news back, you are depriving someone that needs to know that if God did it for you, he'll do it for them. Someone needs to know that if God did it for you, he will do it for them. These lepers didn't hoard this message. They could have. They could have sat on it. They could have gone pitch a tent in the Aramean's camp. All they needed to do was go sleep in somebody else's bed, assume residency, and they would have been rich for the rest of their lives. But they decided, no, I am going to tell the good news that God has given us to other people that need it. Are you a good news spreader? I understand the state of the world is a little bleak right now. I get it. Weird things are happening left and right. I mean, up is down, down is up, inside is out, outside is in. (laughs) It's like, what the heck is happening? Don't you think in a world that we're living in right now, don't you think that someone could use encouragement that what you're going through? Let me tell you a little story about what God did for me. You're in $200,000 worth of debt. Let me tell you a little story about how God changed my life. If you have that story, your kid is having some behavioral issues. Let me tell you a story about what God did for my kid. You cannot conceive. Let me tell you a story. You see, a lot of these things Satan want us to be ashamed of. I can't tell them that. Oh my gosh, I cannot tell them that me and my husband were on the brink of divorce. I cannot even say that. What would they think? What would they think about him? What would they think about me? Who would we be? Would we be diminished in their eyes? Your pride might. But hoarding a miracle would be just as bad as if these four lepers didn't share with the king what God had done. I want you to share because I want other people to realize they're normal. I'm normal. It worked for them. It could work for me. We are ambassadors for Christ. When I started sharing about the my first marriage and what I went through, I mean, I was terrified. I thought... <laughs> No one is going to listen. They are going to laugh at me. They're going to reject me. I mean, I thought all sorts of things. What the church was going to do to me. What? <laughs> and you know what? The more I shared, the more I heard how much other people needed to hear that. When they approached me to do this thing with uh, the Lightway Research, I mean... <laughs> about domestic violence in the church. 
I laughed out loud because I thought, me? <laughs> you want me to talk about domestic violence in the church? Okay, I'll definitely do that. And once we did that study, we realized how many women stay silent in church and their churches forsake them. We realized that that one study gave a whole group of women a mouthpiece. But what if I didn't have the courage to talk about it? Sharing good news takes courage, okay? Opening yourself up, being vulnerable, it takes courage. I want to push on you and challenge you this week. As you go through your week and you come, I'm going to just pray that you come in contact with someone that needs a word of encouragement that you have lived successfully in your life. Let's just pray right now. God, I just pray for practical, divine appointments for everyone who's listening, that we would be able to share what you have done for us so that other people would be encouraged in Jesus name. Amen. There's something life-giving about looking at someone and saying, me too, I've been there. My husband met with a guy a couple of years ago and we were dealing with a situation. He was a business owner and he, you kind of isolate yourself and you think no one else has been through this. <laughs> and he sat down with this guy and they were talking over, you know, I don't know, coffee or something. And Eddie was kind of sharing, you know, I just really need advice on this. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's happened to me like four times. <laughs> it's so funny how we can get into this isolated, nobody knows. Um, I'm in this situation and it's terrible and it's horrible and no one understands. And then God has you meet someone with good news about the, how he has delivered them personally. And all of a sudden, it's life-giving to where you are. Do you have good news? Don't hoard it. Share it. That's simple yet very profound. We get messages every day about people because I've chosen to put myself out there and be vulnerable and say things and tell things and all this kind of stuff. That's exactly where I'm at. How did you know? We have the ability to breathe life into other people. And some of you guys need to because you've been through some stuff. Like for real, for real, eating disorders. You've been through diseases that you've been healed from. You've been through all sorts of stuff. You're thankful and you're grateful and you're glorifying God privately. But some of you guys need to pull out the bullhorn and start telling people about it because God gave you that testimony in order to tell somebody. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. That just really hit me. Hit me so hard. These lepers were so poor and needed every single thing in this camp. Verse 9, then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we're keeping silent. That's what they said. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Maybe a little fear too. <laughs> now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they're on their way to tell in the king's household. So they came. Now, listen to this. I love this. They came and called the gatekeepers of the city. Okay. And they told them saying, we came to the camp of the Arameans. And behold, now this is crazy. There was no one there. 
nor the voice of a man, only the horses tied and donkeys tied and the tents just as they were. The four lepers are telling the gatekeepers of the city, guess what? The same people that pillaged you a little while back, well, guess what? We came upon their camp. It's empty. There ain't nothing there. They're gone. They've left everything, okay? Verse 11, the gatekeepers called and told it within the king's household. Now listen to how little king responds. Then the king arose in the night and said to his servants, listen to this king. I will now tell you what the Arameans have done to us. Oh, you know, do ya? They know we're hungry. Therefore, they have gone from the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we will capture them alive and get into the city. We're going to stop right here. Here's these four lepers. Dude, you do not understand what we just ran into. The Arameans, they're gone. They left everything. Nobody's there. Horses are tied. Donkeys are tied. Food's there. Gold's there. Silver's there. Coats are there. All of this stuff. And the king, literally after receiving amazing news, he turns it into the worst possible thing he could. Have you guys ever done that? guess what? You're going to be delivered. Oh, no, no, no. Anyone in denial of God's goodness out there? No, that's not happening. You see, this is what they're doing. They're setting a trap for us. And once we go, they're going to come out of the bushes and they're going to kill us all. (laughs) I'm not even going to look because I am super arrogant. And I'm not even going to go look, okay? Sorry about the arrogant comment, but has anyone ever felt I have done that? You're going to give me a book deal. (laughs) I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) That's the funniest thing I have ever heard. All the while, the king was disrespecting the ability and the power of God by his response. We can get you guys so jaded by this statement. God did it for them, but he's not doing it for me. We can get so jaded. We can have life hit us so hard that we forfeit our right to even investigate and see if there is a miracle lurking that God is in the process of doing for us. The king had just talked to Elisha several verses before. And Elisha said, here it is. Then Elisha said, 7-1, listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord tomorrow at this time, a measure of flour will be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel at the gate in Samaria. He told him it was coming. He told him there was going to be some miraculous thing happen. He even primed the pump for the king to know that some God was up to something and he was going to be working. But when the miracle came, when it was at the door, the king denied its very existence and turned it into a worst case scenario. Oh, not only is it not a miracle, I'll tell you what they've done. They know we're hungry. 
So they've gone from the camp to hide themselves in a field saying, when they come out of the city, we'll capture them alive and get into the city. This was the king's official stance. And I'm doing this entire series because I believe this is your official stance as well. I know you would never say this at church. I've been here. I want to, in 2024, I want to shake the dust and the grime and the grit and the stuff and the trials off of your faith. I want you to shine it up. Go get some Windex and a paper towel. I want you to shine up that faith because we're going to be using it this year and things that we need to use it for in healing and restoration in our kids, in our grandchildren, in our finances. We're going to shine up that faith this year. So go clean it off because you need to be woken up to the fact that if God did it for these lepers, he can do it for the entire city of Samaria. I see myself in this king and I am mad at her. <laughs> when trials linger, when they're hard, we all can become this king. I'll tell you what is gonna happen. They've set a trap for us. They're gonna come out and they're gonna capture us. Verse 12. This isn't a miracle. Don't listen to the little peasants. I'm going to tell you what happened. Are you the king? It's okay. I'm not mad at you. But I do feel like you're missing out. Verse 13. One of his servants said, I love the servant. He is amazing. Please. The servant is listening to this guy, this king in disbelief. He's a servant. Please. Like people are eating people. Please. Let some men take five of the horses which remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they will be in any case like all the multitude of Israel who are left in it. Because everyone was dying. Behold, they will be in any case like the multitude of Israel who have already perished. So let us send and see. Oh, it's so beautiful. This servant is like, dude, king, dude, you've been eating too many donkey's heads. <laughs> Lay off the donkey head. Dude, could we just take a horse or five and send it to the city? Could we just do that? Let's send and see and check it out. And understand that, guess what? God could have potentially done this thing. Everyone needs one of these servants in their lives. Maybe I'm your servant today. How about we send and see? I'm your servant. What if he does want to heal your body? Let's send and see. What are we going to send? A prayer? What are we going to look for? A word? What if he does want to heal your marriage? Pull back on that divorce lawyer. Pull it back. Let's send and see. Let's send up a prayer. Let's wait for a word. Don't get too kingified that we aren't humble enough to say, it's hard to believe, but I'm going to send and I'm going to see. Verse 14, they took, therefore, two chariots with horses and the king sent after the army of the Arameans saying, okay, go and see. <laughs> 
Verse 15, they went after them to the Jordan and behold, all, listen, this is so cool. I'm obsessed. (laughs) They went after them to the Jordan and behold, all the way was full of clothes. How weird. They're like, you know, trotting along with their chariots and everything was full of clothes and equipment, which the Arameans had thrown away in their haste. So there's like a breadcrumb trail of clothes. The messenger returned and told the king. So the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. Then a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. They sent and saw. Can you imagine these servants that come back? Um, Kingy. Mr. King, (laughs) excuse me, Mr. King, the lepers were right. The whole camp actually is completely abandoned. I remember walking in to get Moses. Moses, we had talked to his precious birth mom and the Lord told me I actually came across it the other day in my Bible in Exodus, Exodus 1. In Exodus 1, written in my Bible, the Lord had told me on February 15th, this is when the Lord told me, okay? He told me. We had no idea about Moses. 2-15-15, God spoke to me and said, you are adopting a baby boy. That was February 15th. (laughs) Three days later, we get a call out of the complete blue. Like out of the blue. We're actually selling our house and we were meeting with a realtor. (laughs) And I remember talking about, you know, our bathrooms and everything. And I said, we got to take this call because it was the adoption agency. We took the call three days later. Three days after God told me we were going to adopt a baby boy. It was the birth mother, the adoption agency, on the phone. She's chosen you. He's due in two days. Two days later, on February 20th, we get a call. She's in labor. Walking in to the hospital, I was in disbelief. Because life had told me that God will do it for them, but not me. I had waited 18 years to adopt. Three years, almost three years in this process. It couldn't be happening. But God said. So with that confidence, I walked into that hospital and met my precious baby, Mosey Pye, who is now almost nine years old and almost as big as me. So the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. Then a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. God will have the final word. We walked in that hospital to get Moses and came home with him. God had had the final word. His word was true. One of the things I wrote down that I want to end with is God shows lepers and tells kings. I think it's really interesting that the lepers 
are the ones that got to experience the miracle first. But the king was told. It's not like the king wandered in and (laughs) saw the camp with his own eyes. I always put myself in the place of the lepers in the scripture. I always feel like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, that's that's me. I'm the woman with the issue of blood. I'm the woman caught in a door. I'm like, I'm all those people. I'm the I'm the lame person. I'm all those people in the scripture. I just this is how I identify. And I believe that God wants to show you something incredible this year. He shows lepers. He told kings. The lepers actually told the king. I believe he wants to show you something amazing. Are you open to receive it? It's the same God. We serve the same God. I pray this week that you would do some work in your heart just to be open. God, what what do you have for me? Where's my camp of the Arameans that's abandoned? Where's mine? I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. So, Lord, we love you today. I thank you for this treasure, this precious treasure of Scripture, God. What a treasure of Scripture. I'm going to be unpacking this for a while. I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, that you work for all of us with your power. If you did it for them, you'll do it for me. I thank you, you're a personal God, and you are so good. And I pray, Lord God, that you would encourage those that are listening to this series, that they would wake up to the possibility. This doesn't have to be just another year. This could be a substantially amazing year for them. Maybe the first time they've experienced the might of the Almighty. God, unleash yourself this year to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you loved that. I sure did. I will see you after the break for a question and a testimony. I'll see you in a sec. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. Y-Z-A. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Autumn and I want to know family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching autumnmiles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. So uh, my producer, Mike, is my leper. He shared with me good news that I needed to encourage my heart. And man, did he encourage me. So thanks, Mike. He's listening right now. Thanks for being my leper. And he said, I'm so happy to be your leper. (laughs) Be somebody's leper today, people. Okay, here's a testimony. I was homeless, high on meth. 
<laughs> this is an awesome testimony. I found myself praying out loud downtown. Someone called the cops on me. I was taken to jail and they put me in rehab and I got clean. God was the only one I felt close to when I was in that state. And I believe he delivered me. I was too afraid to talk to my family because I didn't want to scare them. But God never left me. Addicted to meth, guys, went to jail and God delivered him. That is absolutely amazing. Thank you for that testimony. Okay, I have a question for you today. Do you think it's possible to start fresh at a church that knows your history? Absolutely, I do. You know, in the church, we should not be known for judgment. We should be known for grace, okay? I will tell you if a church knows your history, they know, you know, you've done something that gives you what you think is a scarlet letter at the church and you feel the grace of God, which should be present at churches, <laughs> you absolutely can stay there and um, you absolutely can start fresh. You absolutely can do that. God doesn't condemn you. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So I have done that myself. I mean, I feel like starting over at a new church when people know the things that I've been through and stuff like that in my life, oftentimes I feel like, are they going to judge me for doing this? Are they going to judge me for being divorced? They're going to judge me for my life choices or whatever. But we have found some amazing churches that we have been a part of that has just lavished the grace of God all over us. And uh, last year, someone looked at me, um, just a precious, precious mentor in my life looked at me and said, you know, we want to restore you. We want to restore you back into this body. And so it was very healing for me, but absolutely you can. And I would caution you if there's a lot of judgment, you know, maybe you should move on. You don't want to stir up trouble or anything like that. But there are so many amazing churches that look through eyes of grace. So, yes, you can start fresh at a church that knows your history. Amazing question. Last thing to Amanda wanted to know this, uh, to leave on a fun note. What are your thoughts? We're doing this little fun thing to leave. What are your thoughts? Are skinny jeans in style or out of style? out of style. I'm not wearing them. Although I love a skinny jean and I'm very upset that I feel like no one's wearing them. I don't think I've bought skinny jeans for myself in like a, a hot second. Like it's been a while. So that's pretty funny. She probably personally wanted to know that for herself, which makes it really funny. But are they in style or out? I don't think they're in right now. I mean, look around. People are wearing jeans that are 17 times bigger than what they need. They're not in right now. That's my take on that. Okay, love you guys. I will see you next week for a completely brand new episode of The Autumn Mile Show. Have a great week. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Autumn Mile Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. 
It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Autumn Miles Show.